Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you would like to connect with us, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, and our website, which is heightschurch.org connect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, church. Hope you are doing well. I want to wish you a happy new year, a day early. If you're a guest with us today, my name's Lee, and I'm one of the pastors here at Heights, and it's good uh, to have you. I hope you have had a wonderful Christmas celebration with your family, uh, whether extended family came in or you traveled somewhere uh, or having your kids at home. And I know I speak for most of the parents in the room. Time to go back to school next week, kids, hopefully, right? And uh, so it is time for school. Hopefully teachers rest break over, right? So we appreciate you teachers, but it is time to get back to school. And um, I feel like I'm the only one in here that wants that. Like, I don't, parents, you tell me your trick later on how you did that. But so, so it's good to have you guys again this morning as we end up uh, 2023. If you've got a Bible with you, let's go to Revelation chapter 21. Uh, Revelation 21 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. As we open and you find the book of Revelation, which is the last book in your Bible, chapter 21, uh, it's pretty easy to find. It's one of the last two chapters in your Bible. I want you to think and identify something in your mind that was good about 2023, okay? So just kind of take a moment and say, all right, what was good about 2023? Just, just one thing. Um, maybe you got a new job, maybe you bought a house, you, you know, bought a car, you got a raise, you got married, you started dating someone. Like, what was one good thing about 2023, okay? You, you got it? You got that in your mind? All right, you're thinking, okay, this was it. This was a one good thing I can point back to this year and say, man, this was fantastic. This happened in 2023, all right? Now I want you to do this. I want you to think about one hard thing that happened in 2023, right? One thing that was difficult. Uh, maybe that was you, you lost someone close to you. Someone close to you passed away. Uh, a family member, a friend, you know, a spouse. Maybe you lost a job. Uh, maybe you had to sell a house. Maybe you broke up with the person that you started dating, right? I mean, just what was hard about 2023? Okay, so you, you got something in your mind that was, hey, this was hard and this was good about 2023. Now, let me ask you this. Between the good and the bad, who was the one person that was constant all the time in 2023? It was that one person. It was God. Right? Because what you're going to see this morning is God is our alpha and our omega, our beginning and end. He is our A to Z. He is the one that brings all things to completion. And so this Christmas season, we've been in a series called Christmas Has a Name. And what we did was we started in the book of Genesis, and we've kind of been moving through the Bible, looking at different Bible characters that met God and walked away understanding better who God was in, by that encounter that they had with him. So we started in, in Genesis with a lady by the name of Rahab, who was an Egyptian slave who had, uh, people had done wrong in her life, and she walked away after God received restored her and blessed her and says, you're the Lord that sees me. And then we looked at Moses and in the middle of a battle, it's Moses who says, the Lord, you are my banner. You're the one that fights for me. You're the one that we unite around. And then we talked about Gideon and Gideon, when God came to Gideon in a time of 
personal chaos and a time of national chaos. And Gideon walked away from that encounter with God and said, Lord, even in all the chaos of life, you're my peace. You're my Jehovah Shalom. Then last week, we talked about Joseph. And how an angel appeared to Joseph uh, and told Joseph the plan that Mary was pregnant with, you know, uh, Jesus and how they were going to call Jesus Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then Christmas Eve night, we talked about from Galatians chapter 4, how God is our Father, that we now, through our faith in Christ, can call God our Abba Father. And I want to end us here in this last service of 2023, through, through all the ups and the downs you've had this year, the good and the bad times you can identify, to understand that God has been that constant one all the way through with the name Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Because here's what you're going to learn, and I want you to get from Revelation 21. What you're going to see is things that are going to take place. And if you today can say, Lord, I'm trusting you with my future, then I can trust you in my present. Lord, if I trust you with my tomorrow, I can trust you today. And so what you're going to see is all these things that God is going to do that as believers in Jesus Christ, we can say, Lord, we look forward to you doing these things. We, Lord, we trust you're going to do it. And if we trust you with tomorrow, we can trust you with our today because you're our alpha and omega the one that brings all things to completion. So if you don't mind, let's stand again as we read the word of God together in Revelation 21 and verses one through eight. This is John writing this vision that has been given to him. John writes, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Look in verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Look in verse 6. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God. He will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father God, we've opened your word and we pray this morning you will help us to understand your word, to better know you as our Alpha and Omega. And so, Father, I, I pray this morning for those that are, are watching in their homes, those that are in this room, that, Lord, you remind us again, you're the one that brings all things into completion, that, Lord, if we are trusting you with our tomorrow, we can trust you with today. And so, Father, help us in this time better learn how to love you, trust you, follow you, worship you. We pray in Christ's name. 
Amen. Amen. I want you to see what God is going to do in the future. First, when you pick up in verses 1 and 2, you see this Alpha and Omega who is preparing a place for us. That as believers in Jesus Christ, God is going to prepare a place for us to dwell, for us to be with him in this new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. That God is preparing that place for us to dwell. You know, every Saturday morning, uh, if you're new with us, I have an 18-year-old son, a 16-year-old son. My 16-year-old has autism, and uh, James really loves routines. And what does he do on Saturday morning? He loves to go to the grocery store. Now, that's kind of like his Christmas morning every week. So we wake up early. So James and I are usually home from Kroger by 7 a.m., all right? There's a lot of days that we are there as they're opening the doors at 6 a.m. Don't ask me how, but I actually know how to open some of the doors without a key, all right? We've just been in there a little pre-6 a.m. some mornings, but we know most of the workers by now because we're usually the first ones in the store. So yesterday, we, of course, do our grocery store run, and then we go right around the corner there at Kroger to go get some kolaches that we uh, go to often, and I'm standing there in line, and there's a lady in front of me, and she's ordering four dozen donuts, and she's getting them all mixed up and, you know, and kind of saying to what they want. And she finally turns around to me. She's like, hey, I'm sorry. This has taken a really long time. And I said, no, no, you're fine. You're all right. And I'm telling you, this lady looked tired. She looked worn out. She looked exhausted. And I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, I have had 23 people in my home this holiday season. I am ready for them to go. And I thought about that for a second. I thought, you know, she had to prepare a place for them to be. 23 people in your house for over a week, right? And you may have had people come in from out of town where in your home you had to prepare a place for that person. You had to maybe, you know, bunk some kids up in another room, pull out a cot, make a pallet on the floor. You had to make accommodations for someone coming into your home. But all of those things you did were temporary. But I want you to see here is God is preparing a place for us that's permanent with him. And so what you see in verses 1 and 2 is John saying, I saw this new heaven, this new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's no more sea. There's a new Jerusalem coming down, which is the capital city of this new heaven, new earth, uh, coming down out of from heaven from God. Now, the discussion biblically is going to be, is this like a complete new creation of heaven and earth? Like, is God just going to get rid of the heaven and earth we have and totally recreate a new one? Or is God going to reform the current heaven and earth that we have to what's going to match here? And, and there's biblical arguments that can be made on both sides. But what I want you to notice is this, that God's not preparing a temporary place for us. That God's saying, I, I'm preparing a place for you for all of eternity because I'm bringing into completion all of my creation. I'm bringing into completion all of my redemptive plans from the very beginning of time are now completed here, and I'm preparing that place for you. It echoes the words of Jesus in John 14. Remember in John 14, Christ is starting to tell the disciples again, I'm about to go. I'm about to leave. Now, he's told them over and over, 
uh, that, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be betrayed, and, and, and I'm going to be crucified, and three days later, I'm ra- being raised from the grave. But in John chapter 14 through John chapter 17, you have what's called the farewell discourse, where Christ is really poignantly pointing into this teaching that he is about to go and he is about to to leave them. And in John 14 verses 1 through 3, listen to these words because this is what John's picking up on, I think, in Revelation. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and I will take you myself to there where I am, you may be also. See, God's preparing a permanent place for those that believe in Christ. And so we see first, if we can trust him with that tomorrow, what's to come, we can trust him with today. But I want you to notice this, not only is he preparing a place for us, he also wants to dwell with us. That God's not only just, you know, preparing a place for us to be in heaven, but he wants to dwell with us. Look in verse 3. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So not only is he making a place for us, but God himself is going to dwell with us. You know, one of the hardest parts of 2023 may have been you had to say goodbye to a loved one. It was a friend, it was a spouse, could have been a child, grandchild, just someone in your life that you were close to that went on to be with the Lord this past year. And you know, as believers in Jesus Christ, when a believer passes away, I do believe there's, there's a little bit of of joy and sadness mixed all at one time in our emotions. Because we are, we're joyful in the sense that that person, as a believer in Jesus, is now at home with the Lord. They're no longer suffering on this earth. They're no longer in the pain they were in. They're no longer experiencing the sickness that they had. And, and we can step back and we can rejoice. And we say, thank you, Lord, that you have taken care of them eternally away from all those things. But then there's sadness we feel, and there's pain, because they're no longer dwelling with us. See, the word dwell means to tabernacle. It means to be in in the presence of someone. And you miss that person because you no longer can hug them. You no longer can talk to them. You no longer can share a laugh with them or share a story with them. And, And you long to be again in their presence And there's mourning in that, even though at the same time, same breath, there's joy that they're with the Lord. And see, understand that the God we have is so distinct from every other God of any other religion because the God of the Bible always wants to dwell with his people. What you see in the Bible is God always finding ways to dwell with us. So go all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Garden of Eden, sin hasn't happened yet. You've got Adam and Eve perfectly dwelling in the presence of God. They are able to talk with God, commune with God. God is in their presence. They see God in all his glory and splendor. All right, then obviously Genesis 3 happens. 
Adam sins. What happens when Adam sins? That relationship's now broken. They're not in the perfect presence of God. They don't see God in all of his glory and all of his splendor. But what does God continually do throughout the Bible? He dwells with his people. When he rescues them out of slavery from Egypt, how does he lead them through the wilderness? It's by a, a, a pillar of fire by night. It's by a cloud by day. You know, you think about when they built the temple. Where's his presence? It's in the Holy of Holies. We just celebrated it last week. How did God dwell with us? God became man in Christ Jesus, right? And Jesus walked on this earth. He dwelt with people. He was in their presence. And then now as believers in Jesus Christ, how does God dwell within us? He deposits the Holy Spirit in us. But we look forward to this day and time that where God has prepared this place for us, that we get to dwell in his presence perfectly. We get to see God in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, for all of eternity. It's not a temporary thing, it's a permanent thing for us. And did you notice what, what John said in verse three? I'm gonna turn your eyes to it again. He said, here's the heart of God, that he wants to dwell with his people he says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Now, that word people, or your translation may say man or men, the word people there in verse 3, it's actually plural in the Greek. So it's they will be his peoples, that God cares for the nations, that, that God wants people from all nations, tribes, and tongues to worship him. That this is not just a tribal God that we worship. This is a God of all peoples. And so therefore, as believers in Jesus Christ, what should be our passion? To take the gospel to all peoples. To make sure people all around our world are finding this one true God that wants to dwell with them for all of eternity. You know, that's why at Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. That's why we do things like Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, and we help support international missionaries all around our globe through our, our Southern Baptist Convention. That's why we do outreaches here locally, and we help start churches and plant churches and support church plants all around our nation. Why? Because we want people to worship him. You know, this past year, we launched what we called our Love and Lead 2030 Vision. And you're going to see that graphic there on the screen that over the next seven years, we are praying for these initiatives that God through us is going to help more and more people dwell within his presence. And so some of those initiatives are baptizing 200 people over the next seven years, baptizing 200 new believers in Christ, planting four churches, having 80% of our worship attendance in life groups and serving, discipling intentionally 350 people, but also this one that's one locally that we have been praying about this year and we're going to press more into next year, and that's starting an Hispanic ministry at Heights. Uh, what we desire is for people to be able to worship in their own language and their own culture, the God that has made them. And so what we've already seen over this last year is God's already working through a lot of these, blessing through a lot of these, and we are still in some of them in just an area of prayer 
just asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do there? And so I want to encourage you, keep praying. The Lord is already working, and we've got some exciting things. We, we're just right on the cusp of, I believe, that God's going to bless and work through us in 2024. But what we see here is God is our Alpha and Omega, who is preparing a place for us, who wants to dwell with us. But notice also what he's going to do. He's going to take away our pain for all of eternity. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he's preparing a place. He wants to dwell with us. And he's going to take away all of our pain one day for all of eternity. And, and you know, when you stop and think about this sermon series that we've been in. Um, I hope it's blessed you as much as it's blessed me because what it's allowed me to do as we've gone over these names is to stop and think about situations that I'm in sometimes personally and sometimes with people and remember who God is. You know, so for instance, a couple weeks ago, I was talking with someone within our church and they're just going through a really, really hard time. And so we went back to the story of Gideon, and we just kind of walked through the story of Gideon together, and in that call of Gideon. And I just said, hey, you know what? Remember what we just talked about last week, that God is our Jehovah Shalom? He's our peace, and you've got just this really kind of chaotic time in your life going on, but you know what? Let's, let's just pray together right now to the Lord of peace. And so we just, we prayed, and we said, God, we know you're our, our Lord of peace, and we need peace in this situation. I was on the phone with uh, someone that's in the hospital right now in our church uh, just yesterday, and they're awaiting some test results and some other things happening, and, and I said, you know what, remember, God's God of Alpha and Omega, and so we went to Revelation 21.4 and literally just quoted this verse, and we prayed this verse together, and just, we were smiling at the end and just rejoicing, kind of laughing that, hey, you know, and I made the joke, I was like, isn't it awesome that one day all hospitals are out of business? Have you thought about that? Like sometimes when I go visit people in the hospital, I will walk out of the hospital. I'm standing on the sidewalk and I'll look up at the buildings in the med center. I'm like, dear Lord, thank you that these buildings are not going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. Like we don't need them. We don't need doctors. We don't need nurses in heaven. Praise the Lord. You don't need preachers in heaven. You know, if you're there, you already know about Jesus. So I'm out of a job clearly. I mean, you just stop and think about that. What a blessing. Because all those things that happen within our bodies, all those times that we get hurt and sick and we deal with all those things. And you guys, some of you are at the life stage I am where you wake up and you're like, how did I get hurt sleeping last night? <laughs> like, what happened? You know, I, I don't know if you're there. Like, I asked Sandra the other night, I was like, did you literally like drop an elbow on my neck at like midnight? Like, I can't move. So, but all that's gone forever because of what God is doing and what God will do. And so you can look at this Alpha and Omega who brings all things to completion and go, Lord, if I'm trusting you with all of that in my future for all of eternity, then I can trust you today. If I'm trusting you in my tomorrow, and man, the problems I have today, Lord, I trust you in those. And I know you're going to bring them to completion. He'll end praise and pain 
in our lives forever. But I want you to also notice that God gives us eternal satisfaction. Not only is he preparing that place for us, he'll be with us, he's going to remove all pain, but now he's going to eternally satisfy us. See, understand fundamentally, every person on the planet has a desire for satisfaction. Every person, no matter what language they speak, no matter what country they're from, they want satisfaction of some sort. And every person on this planet can agree with the words of Mick Jagger. When I am driving in my car, when a man came on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information that's supposed to fire my imagination. I can't get no. Oh, no. No, no. Hey, hey, hey. That's what I say. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Because I try, and I try, and I try, and I try and I can't get no satisfaction, right? Every person is chasing that. And the only one to give us perfect eternal satisfaction is Jesus. Because the more we chase satisfaction apart from Christ, the more empty we feel. So the more we chase our identity and our jobs and our possessions and our relationships, which aren't bad things, but the more we make those things our gods that are trying to fill us, the more we're going to walk away and go, Mitch was right. I can't get no satisfaction through these things. And that's why what Jesus does is so beautiful. Because when you take your eyes to verses 5 and 6, it says, Behold, I am making all things new. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And the one who is thirsty can come to me and drink. And they will be satisfied. It's Christ in the middle of a banquet in John chapter 7 in verses 37 and 38. That says, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That is God that gives us that perfect satisfaction we are looking for now and for all of eternity. And then finally, I want you to notice what God's going to bring into completion. He is preparing an eternal place for us. He will dwell perfectly with us and we with him. He will remove all pain and sickness and sin out of our lives. We'll have eternal, perfect satisfaction in him. But I want you to notice this one thing about heaven that I don't think we often talk about and we miss. And it's this one attribute about God that we tend to forget. That God one day will judge all evil. He will judge all evil. You know, it's interesting in the first two chapters in your Bible, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, there's no mention of Satan. In Revelation chapter 21 and 22, there's no mention of Satan. In the first two chapters of the Bible, no Satan. In the last two chapters of the Bible, no Satan. Why? Because chapter, chapter 19 of Revelation, Jesus has come back. You have the battle of Armageddon. 
chapter 20, you have the uh, millennial reign of Christ. Satan comes back for one final rebellion. And now Satan, false prophet, the beast, all that oppose the Lord are thrown into the lake of fire. And so you enter into chapter 21, and now you see this new heaven, this new Jerusalem that God is bringing into completion, and there's no evil, there's no sin, there's no one opposing God. Why? Because God at his very foundation and core is holy. And so you worship a holy God who's not just going to sweep sin under the rug. He's not a God that just can ignore it. He's a God that deals with it. He's a God that judges it. And what you see in verses 7 and 8 are those who are going to be in heaven and those who are not going to be there. Look in verse 7. He says, to the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and they will be my son. How are we conquerors in Christ? We are conquerors in Christ over sin, over death, over hell, because of our faith in Jesus, because of what Christ Jesus has done on our behalf. John writes in 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5 this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So you see, as you place your faith in Christ, and you trust him with your today and your tomorrow because he's that A to Z, it's Jesus who makes you that overcomer because Christ has overcome sin and death and Satan and hell on your behalf. And so you notice in verse 7, that's who's there in this new Jerusalem, in this place that God is permanently, eternally preparing for us. But notice who's not there. The one who's not there is verse 8. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, when you look at verse 8, it's not an exhaustive list. All right? So I don't want you to make the mistake of reading verse 8 and going, well, I'm not any of that, so I'm okay. No, 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 it's not, John's not giving you an exhaustive list of all sin, right? Because what do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve hell for all of eternity. We deserve to be in the lake of fire because we've sinned against a holy God, and that merits eternal judgment. And so don't make the mistake of looking at verse 8 and going, okay, well, clearly that's not any of me, so check, I'm okay. No, 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 no. We're not all okay. That's the message of Christianity. We're not okay. That's the bad news. The good news is we can be made okay by faith in Jesus who makes us okay. But did you notice at the end of the verse, he speaks of a second death. And, and let me kind of just walk you through this, this quick formula to help us understand what the second death means. If you think about it this, if you are born once, you're going to die twice. You're born once. We all have a physical birth. Well, as we live in this physical birth of life, we sin. And, 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 and when we sin, that brings spiritual death. Right? You may have sinned this Christmas at some point in opening presents. And someone like asked you, did you like what I got you? I'll just stop right there. Or maybe you felt anger in your heart when you didn't get what you wanted. 
Because of sin, that brings spiritual death. Well, we've all done that. We all have spiritually dead apart from Christ. And what do we earn? We earn death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. A wage is what you earn. We earn spiritual death. So if you are born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to have a physical death one day, and you're going to have a spiritual death. You're spiritually dead. You will be apart from Christ in the lake of fire without him under eternal judgment. But notice the good news. If you're born twice, you're only going to die once. If you're born twice, you have a physical birth. But if you have a spiritual birth, then all you face one day is a physical death. You remember the story with Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Nicodemus the Pharisee is searching. He's trying to find out more about Jesus. He's heard about him, seen him, heard his teaching. And Nicodemus comes to him, and they are in this conversation. And Nicodemus is like, how do you inherit eternal life? How do you inherit the kingdom? And what does Jesus say? We have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, how, do you, how in the world are you born again? How, how can I enter into my mother's womb? And all the mothers in the room are like, nope. I pushed you out one time, and you're not, I'm not doing that again. Right? And what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about a spiritual birth. I have to be born again. See, if I'm born twice, I only die once. I only have a physical death. And what is that physical death for the believer in Jesus? It's just a passing. I love the way Adrian Rogers says it. He says a, a, a physical death for a Christian is not a period. It's just a comma. Right? Not a period to our lives, just a comma. We die as believers in Jesus Christ physically. I always like to think of it this way. We close our eyes this side of heaven, and we open our eyes, and we see Jesus. What a beautiful passing. But without Christ, the future is the lake of fire. See, if you only have one birth, you're going to die twice. If you have two births, you'll only die once. And this morning, I call you, implore you, on this last day of 2023, to trust Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. Because you will spend eternity somewhere, either in the new heavens and new earth, in the new Jerusalem, or in the lake of fire. And the only, only, only way you overcome the lake of fire is through faith in Christ. If you trust him with your tomorrow, church, you can trust him today. If you're trusting Jesus with everything we just read and you're singing the songs, we just sang how great a God you are and even so come Lord Jesus and you're reading this passage like I am and man, you're just excited about all that awaits us for all of eternity, then I can trust him with everything I'm going through today because he's the alpha and the omega the one who's going to bring it all into completion. I'm going to invite you to bow in prayer right where you are. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. 
then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, Dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you, to follow up with you, and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect. Click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 10.30 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.